the last time I was on live, I talked about the object of our frustration and why we are frustrated with the Lord and why we shouldn't be frustrated with the Lord. I never wanted to be a person that just stated the problem all the time. And I say that every single time. I always wanted to be a person that can identify the problem and yet at the same time provide a solution. Well, of course, I'm not the solution maker. You know what I'm saying? I'm not the, the solution bringer. That is God. That's God alone. But as I start to do these lives more and more and more, in these videos more and more and more, God reveals more and more and more. So tonight, I wanted to talk about the object of my aggression. Like, why am I angry? What is the centerpiece? What is the object of my aggression? What has me on the ropes? What has my back up against the wall who is my aggressor and am I the aggressor am I the one that's agitated am I the one that's 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 holding on um where is my aggression coming from what is the root of my aggression what is the root of my problem you know that's something a lot of us don't really want to identify Right. We, we really don't want to identify why am I so aggressive in this area or why am I so aggressive in that area? Straight to it. So I guess I'm trying to figure out where I want to start it with this, because for the last two weeks, since the last time I went live, this topic has been something that has been on my heart and that I have spoken to God about over the course of the last two weeks. And I have to start with the definition of aggression. So, of course, I'm not the smartest man in the world. Some things I got to look up. So, I'm going to give a, 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 a Google definition of aggression. Because I want us to be completely on the same page of what, what, we're, what we're identifying. So, aggression is hostile or violent behavior or attitude towards another. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say that two more games. Hostile or violent behavior or attitude towards another. One more game. Aggression is hostile, and I'm gonna let you hear because I don't want you to think I'm reading off another definition. So aggression. You heard Google say it one more time. Aggression. One more time. Aggression. So y'all know what I'm reading. Hostile or violent behavior or attitude towards another. Readiness to attack or confront. Secondary definition would be the action or act of attacking without provocation. Forceful and sometimes overly assertive pursuit of one's arms and interests. The sh 
I don't have to give y'all no 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 elementary school lesson on aggression. But we here now. You know what I'm saying? And we're gonna talk about it. So while we're in this, I want us to make this all personal. This is an open space, you know. I'm the one that usually does the talking, you know what I mean? But while you're listening to this, I want you to focus in on what makes me so aggressive? What is my aggression? Why am I hostile or violent or my behavior or my attitude towards somebody? And why am I always in the readiness to attack or confront? Oh, we're going to walk through this. We're going to walk through this. Because I'm going to start. And hopefully, y'all just jump in. I always ask myself, Chris, what is, why are you so aggressive? What is the object of your aggression? So a lot of you like the video that I had put up on my page. It's the newest one I just put up on my page uh, a couple days ago. Now, in all honesty, that was the prelude to tonight. If you haven't seen that video, I'm going to just give you a short synopsis of what that video is about. If you've already seen it, cool. So I told, my, I told you guys in that video I posted on my page. I told you guys on the video that I posted on my page that I was upset because I felt like I had to treat everybody better than I was treated in my life. I felt like I had to be this good, not felt like I had to be. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me correct myself. It's not that I felt like I had to be. I was being. Oh, I was being everything to everybody that I never had before. And I and I realized that first in my in my marriage. I said that I realized I was being so I, I realized that I was doing what was never done for me. Now, let's slow it down. Let's slow. Let's slow this TED talk down. Now that you've identified it, why does that make you mad? Why are you upset that you are being everything to everybody that you never was? Right. See, that's a root issue that God had me pouring down tears, crying like, why Why does it make me mad? Because see, the thing is, before I got married, I had already had, right? And I'm just using this as an example. So follow me, no Twitter. I had already had an idea of what I wanted to do when I got married. Eons ago, years ago, I said, Lord, I just want to do this when I get married. 
And when I get a wife, I want to do this. I want to provide this. I want to provide that. I want to be the best person. Right? That's what I said. So, the wife I was praying for, I had already had plans for whoever filled that position. Because at that time, it wasn't a body there. It was just whoever fills this position, this is what they're going to get. Whoever signs up to be my wife, that's what they're going to get. And the complete opposite happened. What's up, y'all? I just got started, so trust me, y'all ain't miss nothing. Lord, because I feel the Holy Spirit. Lord, Father God, this is something that the enemy does not want the world to address. Father God, I just ask that you cover this line. I plead the blood of Jesus over this line and the people that's watching and listening right now. Open up their minds and hearts, Lord, will come against any interference, any foolishness in the mighty name of Jesus. Aggression. Back to aggression. Right? So, the slot was already, and follow me, because I want you guys to put yourselves in, in, in my shoes or in your own shoes in a different way. The slot I was praying for, when, when we praying for a spouse, when I was praying for a wife, I didn't know what my wife was going to look like. I didn't know who was going to fill that spot. But I'm already telling God, like, yeah, man, you know, when I get married, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this. Oh, Lord, when I become a parent, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this. And God said, okay. And then, of course, years later go by because I've been praying for a wife since I was, I don't know how old. So I'm 29 now, so I, it had to be the last 20 years because I wanted to be married since I was a child, you know? So so when I so when I got there, when you get married, you realize that, hold on, one day somebody's going to fill this slot. So my wife comes along, and I'm not making this about her, but she filled the slot. So my thing is, how come when I got married, why didn't I have that same energy that I've been praying for? Why didn't I have that same commitment? I should have been jumping for joy when I got married. Oh, because what I told God was, is that when I get this wife, I'm going to do all of these things. I never once said that it had to be reciprocated. All right? So, so I'm just using my marriage as an example, you know, just, just put it out there. And the reason why I'm using it as an example is because I was, I realized that when I got married. So let's take this, let's take this from another perspective, right? Because see, when we, when we talk about aggression, I had to get to a point and I had to realize something. Why? Do somebody else have to do this in order for me to do that? What's going on, family? Why why does that have to happen? Because, see, my aggression is not stemmed from somebody else. It's stemmed from myself. The aggression comes from myself because years ago when I was a kid, 
And like I said, I'm just using this as an example. When I prayed about marriage, I didn't have nobody there to fill that slot. I was just telling God, oh, Lord, yeah, when I get married, when I get this job, when I get this car, when I get this, I'm going to do all of this stuff, right? But see, when my wife came into the picture, she didn't hear my prayers. You know what I'm saying? She's just being herself. She's working on her own things. We're all working on our own things. But yet, all of a sudden, when I noticed she wasn't doing things, and when I say doing things, meaning like doing things the way I would want them to do, or let's just say it took a little longer for her to understand how to do something else that, that I wanted, I pulled back. I pulled back. And you ask yourself, why? 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 Yes, I got on a Peace Hut shirt because I'm about to deliver. Anyways, why? Why did why why do I pull back? Because before that person came in the picture, before you got what you prayed for, you had already told the Lord everything that you wanted to do. And it, and it didn't have no attachments to it. You just said, Lord, give it to me. Lord, just give it to me. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do all these things. Because guess what? That was the desire that God gave me. But now that you're in it, or now that you got the job, or now that you got whatever your object of your aggression is, now that you got it, now that you got the kids, now that you got the spouse, now that you got the job, now that you 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 got the healing, some of you was probably like, oh, Lord, if you just heal my foot, oh, Lord, if you just heal my back, I'm going to stand every single time. We make these promises and we say we're going to do these things, Right? We say that we're going to do these things because it's easy to say what you're going to do before you get it. I figured out I was so angry because I realized that it was more than just saying what you're going to do. In truth, you want something in return. And that's the part that God checks in your heart. You don't want to admit that you want something in return. But see, when you pick up this word, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this to him blue in the face. When you pick up this word, where in the word does it say that you're going to be this type of person and everybody's going to be this type of person towards you? That's the part we had to check. That's the part we had to identify. That's the part that I had to lay before the Lord and say, Lord, I said I was going to do all these things. And then guess what? I didn't do it. And I cried like a baby because I cried to the Lord and said, Lord, it's not fair. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Chris. Wait a minute. What? 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 How is it not fair? You the one that said that if you get this, you gonna want you gonna do all that. It reminds me of the story in the Bible, right? And this is just a side pivot. 
Let me just pivot for a second. Just let me let me pivot. Let me pivot. Just let me pivot. Just one more. Let me pivot. If you go to the Old Testament, I cannot think of the guy's name, and I'm not going to flip through all these pages, but I believe it was Judges or something like that. It was around there somewhere. The guy was like, the Lord had already told this guy that he was going to deliver the enemy into his hands. Lord Jesus, what was this man's name? He said, I'm going to deliver the enemy into your hand, right? But God's promise just, it, it wasn't enough. He went on to say, no, Lord, if you really do it, the first person that comes out that door, I, I sacrifice them unto you. I, 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 uh, something like that. It was around the area. And the first person he saw was his daughter. And he fell to the knees and he cried because he had to give up his daughter because he done made a vow to the Lord. Right? When God had already told him he was going to do it. So I questioned everybody today. Why do we do that? Because see, the object of your aggression is you had already told the Lord when you pray, you pray and you pray with these stipulations like if I just keep doing this, then maybe God will answer, answer my prayer. Yeah, it, it wasn't Samson. Maybe God answered my prayer. Lord, I'm going to pray for a husband. Lord, I'm going to pray for a wife. And if you do it, Lord, and if you let it happen, Lord, then I will do this. At what point did God ever make us feel like we were able to keep our promises? At what point? Because the Bible says, do not swear by the heavens or by the earth because it is the Lord's footstool. Right? So, so now you're trying to fulfill these vows. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Shell P. You're trying to fulfill these vows that you didn't even have to make. So at, at what point did God tell you that you got to do this in order for me to do that? Because when you think about salvation, did he not come? and pay the ultimate price for us. But yet we're still in 2023 asking and praying and hoping for God for stuff. And when it don't happen fast enough, then we start throwing stipulations out there. Well, God, I'm telling you, if you do it, I'm going to do this. God, if you heal my leg, I'm not going to run no more. I'm not going to run away from you no more. We got all these stipulations. And see, what we don't understand is with every answered prayer, it is something that comes with that. It's not easy. And a lot of you Bible thumpers, you guys have failed to understand, like if you go back to the beginning with him bringing them out of Egypt, what part did they get to the promised land and they just walked in, unloaded the U-Haul. Everybody picked their bedroom out. Everybody said, I want this bedroom. I want that bedroom. And, 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 and filled the U-Haul back up and dropped it back off. When did that happen in the Word? I got, I got water. I'll wait because I want to know.
When did, when did that happen? When did the Penske truck pull up to the promised land and let everybody out? Like, yeah, man, this show couch, this show couch. No, 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 no. They had to fight. Thank you. That was his name. Jebathah. You had to fight. But see, understand what fighting is. See, the fighting that the Israel did was conquering. God was with them in every battle. Please tell me one war you ever seen fought where there was no casualties. The only time there was casualties in battle is if they went into battle when God told them not to, or they just tweaked out and did something else. You know what I'm saying? And see, and, I, and I'm going somewhere. So what they was doing was conquering. Because guess what happened? The promised land God said they're going to flows with milk and honey. Buildings you didn't build, houses you didn't build, uh, plants you didn't plant. When they got over there, they, they, when they, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When they got over there and they sent spies into the land, right? When they sent spies into the land, they came back with fruit. This is where you start have to put your practical knowledge into things. So if I went into a land and I was able to steal some fruit and bring it back to everybody and say, look, we got oranges and melons the size of our heads. No GMO. Oh, look at the fruit is so sweet. Oh, my Lord. If they're able to say that, that means that whoever planted those trees did the hard work. So was God lying about what he said? No. He said, I'm taking you to a land. I'm taking you to a place where you didn't plant not one seed, where you didn't put not one thing up. But guess what? It was something there that they had to get rid of. But even in their fighting, God was teaching them how to fight. Because even the younger generation, he said, I'm not going to have you drive everybody else out right now. Because if y'all drive everybody else out, then the younger generation, they're not going to know how to fight. They're not going to know how to defend. And he gave them a set of laws because he wanted them to be set apart. So, Chris, what does this have to do with the object of my aggression? What well, has everything to do? Why are you so angry? Because you are still trying to figure out how you are going to conquer the things that are in your way and the obstacles that are in your way of what God has promised you. You don't have to believe me. Everything I say, you can take it the Holy Spirit. But I'm just being truthful with you. See, with everything that you want to do, every desire that God gave you, God gave you. I'm not talking about your desire to go be sexy red. Every desire that God gave you, right? Every desire that God put on your heart. The object of your aggression, and I'm going to give you the tool. The object of your aggression is not what's in your way. It's one word. How? 
That is the object of our aggression. The how. You get so upset and aggravated because you're like, Lord, I, I was a business owner. I had to shut the business down because anytime you run in a business, I mean, it costs money to run a business. When you first start running a business, money not consistent. It was me. It was it was some weeks when I was running my business, I made two thousand dollars in one week, and it was sometimes I was running my business, I made a hundred dollars. It was weeks I didn't make no money. But literally, it went back and forth. I could make $2,000, 1300 900 400 Next week, make $500. Next week, make $3,000. It's so much that goes into it. And for the longest time, I said, Lord, you put the desire in my heart to restart my business. But here I go. I just don't know how. Oh, how I'm going to do this. How I'm going to go to school and do that? How I'm going to raise my kids and do this? This is just, just us. How I'm going to do that? How I'm gonna, and then you get so caught up in the how that you let the fire for the desire, no Drake, dwindle. You let the fire for the desire dwindle because you got so caught up on the how. How I'm going to pay these bills? How I'm going to do this? How I'm going to do that? Let me tell you something. I told my wife a long time ago, I don't worry about bills no more. I worry about COVID coming back before I worry about bills. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this nice apartment that I have, I'm not even supposed to have. And a lot of people don't want to be real. With my credit score and everything that I had going on at the time I got this place, I'm not supposed to be here. If I told y'all how much my rent was, you wouldn't believe me. In the city I live in, you wouldn't believe me. And when I tell you, I have only been in this place by the grace of God, and it ain't because nobody gave me anything. God literally established the work of my own hands. He blessed me to live in this place when I was just working off of my income for a year and a half. And when I switched job, he blessed me and my wife. So let me tell you something about the how. If you keep worrying about the how, you're going to forever be at the center of aggression. You're going to be so aggressive towards any and everybody. You're going to be so aggressive so angry, so upset because you're trying to run your mind on the how. I don't know how many times I shared this. I wrote a book. Mind you, let me just tell you about my book journey. My entire book journey, the first time I had the desire to write a book was 2009. 2009. My first time was 2009. I didn't write that book into 2020. I was trying every year to find time. How am I going to write this book? How am I going to do it? How am I going to handle the time? I got to work. I got to do this. I'm out here in the streets. I'm out here chasing behind these chicks. 
Oh my Lord, what I gotta give up. That's how we sound. And you know when I finally just surrendered and said, Lord, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I ended up writing that book when I had three jobs and I was a full-time student in school. I had three jobs. I had one full-time job. I had two part-time jobs and I was a full-time student in school. And I wrote my book. And I tell you, what I never wrote that book when I had more time, when I didn't have no job at times, when I was out for a month or two from work for whatever reason back in the day, over 10 years, I never wrote that book when I had the time because I was too busy trying to figure out the how. When I gave up the how and said, Lord, I'll write it whenever I had a time, God showed me that in the midst of your three jobs, in the midst of you being a full-time student, I'm going to show you how you're going to write this book. And at my full-time job, I worked overnight. And I sat at a desk with two computers. I mean, a computer and two monitors. And for eight hours a day, I was sitting at the desk with nothing to do. And every single day at that job, I wrote one chapter. I wrote one full chapter a night. My first book is 17 chapters. And each page, and it's like probably almost no less than 10 pages. I would say about like 20 something, at least 20 some pages a chapter. I think when I got done, it was like 300 some pages that book is. And that all depends on how it's formatted because it might be more than that. It might be a darn Harry Potter size book. But when I gave up the how, it happened. What would life look like if you just said, Lord, you told me I was going to do this. I don't need to know the how. Do you know in my private time today, I was spending time in the Word sitting at this same desk today. This was like 2 o'clock, around 2 o'clock my time, 2, 3 o'clock my time. And I'm sitting and I'm reading and I'm talking to God and I'm praying to God. And you know what? I said, Lord, I know you want me to go live tonight. But I'm not finna sit up here and try to figure out what to say. I know the topic you put on my heart. I'ma just hit the live button and I'ma just start running my mouth. And whatever come out, come out. I gave up the how. I'ma tell you another big one. How to have a relationship with the Lord. Y'all gonna hate me for this. Oh, y'all gonna hate me for a lot of stuff I'm finna say. Cause I ain't gonna I ain't gonna be here all night with y'all. Y'all gonna hate me for a lot of stuff I gotta say right now. How to have a relationship with the Lord. I cannot tell you how many videos I have seen on TikTok in a combination between TikTok and Instagram where everybody's trying to tell you how to have a relationship with the Lord. Everybody and their mama is telling you how to have a relationship with God. I might have even tried to make a video and said it at one point now that I think about it. But everybody got something to say. Oh, you need to read three times a day. You need to read for an hour. You need to pray every single day. You need to do a hokey pokey. 
Do a backflip. You need to hit the whoop, Rico. Or should I say the Drewski for y'all that don't remember whoop, Rico. To have a relationship with the Lord. And I'm not above being honest. I sat here in my private time and I said, Lord, how do I have a relationship with you? Because, Lord, let me just be honest. It's like, you what? It's like sometimes I'm so consistent. I'm reading in my word back to back to back to back to back to back to back. And then I might go three, four days and I don't open my Bible at all. And then I say, well, Lord, what's the difference? Because it wasn't Bibles in the day. When I say it wasn't Bibles, it wasn't like this, you know. They might have had scrolls and stuff, you know what I'm saying? But I doubt everybody had a copy of it, like how we got a copy of the Word. So why is people putting this heavy burden saying, oh, you have to read every single day to have a relationship with, have a relationship with the Lord? No, let me tell you what my Bible says. The Bible says that those who do the will of my father are my mother and my brother. Those who do the will of my father are, the, are my brother and my mother. I highlighted this earlier. It says in Luke eleven twenty eight 28, that rather blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, how can you have a relationship with the Lord without reading your word? Don't get what I'm saying twisted. But what a lot of people are trying to make you do is worship the Bible of the Lord, but not the Lord of the Bible. If you open up the gospel, Jesus did nothing but go back and forth with people who swelled it down they knew the word. How many scriptures did you see when they said, oh, an expert in the law came to him? An expert in, 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 in the law came to him. A Pharisee and a scribe and a, and a chief priest came to him with his own word. With his own word. Like, sometimes I want to punch myself in the lip because I'm like, dang, it's right in front of me. And see, what they do is they try to, what people try to do is intimidate you. With knowing all these scriptures and stuff like that. And they try to make you feel like, oh, your relationship is not there. Because you don't know everything I know in the Bible. But you can know every word in this book and still not do it. And still not do it. See, when you read the word of God. It's best that you know the word of God for yourself. That way, when a wolf in sheep clothing comes along and try to tell you God says this, you can say, uh-uh-uh. No, no, no. But knowing a person is also understanding their character. See, a lot of people try to read the word because they want to sound more smarter than the next person to make them feel better about themselves and put you 
at a certain level. But wait a minute. The Bible says that the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. So when the queen of Sheba heard about Solomon, came all the way out there and heard the word of God when Jonah went and preached to the children of Nineveh, to the people of Nineveh, and they repented, these are the people that's going to turn around and be judging you and condemning you on judgment day because they had a repentant heart, because they heard the word of God and said, oh, that's what God want me to do? Let me do it. If they never knew what the prophet Isaiah foretold, I'm just throwing that, I don't know. I'm just making something up. I don't even know if Isaiah came first. You know what I mean? But when you hear the word, you do the word. The more you know the word, the more you do. Come on now. The more word you hear, the more you do. How about this? How about when we read the word, we just put up a reflective mirror and say, oh, I'm not supposed to gossip. Got it. It don't say go out there and shun people that do gossip. Because let me tell you something. If you don't use profanity, you're going to stand out more and be more liked than the person that's trying to tell everybody to stop using profanity. Why do I have to go around? Like, I had somebody come to me and was like, are you religious? Like, are you super religious? I was like, what do you mean? They was like, well, I, sometimes I use profanity and I don't want to use profanity around you if it bothers you. Do you? Because what I'm not going to do is force my beliefs on somebody that don't believe in what I believe in. That's the thing that we have to get. That's what we got to get people to understand in the body of Christ. If you don't believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, it's nothing I can tell you to do with your life. This means absolutely nothing to you. Does that take away from this? Does that mean that this is not real? Does that mean that this is not true? I'm not saying that. But if you don't abide by what I abide by, you can say whatever you want to say. No, you don't bother me. But it's interesting how I never cursed around this person, but yet that person found it interesting to ask me because I say things like, God bless you. Uh, I'm going to pray about it. Just little stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Just little stuff like that. And when people see your character, they will realize like, hmm, this person's different. So when you on TikTok and you seeing everybody trying to tell you how to have a relationship with God, ask yourself, I love that question. Isn't it good to spread the word of God? I'm not saying that it's not. 
The Bible says those who have ears, let them hear. What I'm speaking on, young lady, uh, Madison, what I'm speaking on, Madison, is people who are willingly choosing to walk a life separate from Christ. I'm spreading the gospel by walking it out. That's how I'm choosing to spread the gospel. I'm spreading the gospel by walking this thing out. Because I can stand on the street corner and yell all day. But if my life is not matching up with what I'm saying, then that's, that don't matter. Everybody want to do what John did, but everybody don't want to live the life John did. Hello. Everybody want to put on put on, on leaves and eat locusts and honey and, and, and preach like John did, but you don't want to live the life John did. John lived a life above reproach. Outside of Jesus, God only gave credit to two people when it comes to their walk with righteousness. That was John and Job, as far as I know. There were the two people God that I saw in the word where God said, oh yeah, John was different. Oh, Job was different when it came to his righteousness and how they walked. The reason why I say spread the gospel, the gospel is when you get the opportunity to. The gospel, spreading the gospel is not always, let me sit you down and tell you about what you're doing wrong. Sometimes spreading the gospel is, let me live a righteous life in front of people that are living wrong. And in my prayer time, I ask God, I said, Lord, I'm always, always give me an opportunity, Lord, to spread your gospel. The Bible says those who have an ear to hear, let them hear. So that means that eventually one day somebody going to say, tell me about Jesus. Got him. <laughs> Got him. Now, now we're going to talk. Now we're going to talk. Because y'all don't understand that we live in a world where everything is moving away from Jesus Christ. We live in a world where everything is moving away from God. One day, you're not, one day, I don't know what generation, you're not going to be able to walk in the store and buy a Bible. You're not going to be able to download the Bible app off, off, off the Apple store or the Play Store. Play with it. Play with it. You're not going to be able to do that one day. Because the world is moving away from Christ. But if we could just walk this thing out like Jesus did, walk a righteous life like Jesus did, do you know how many more people we could attract versus yelling at people? Understand, John was sent to pave the way. Understand, John was sent to talk to the children of Israel to repent. See, this is where y'all get it twisted at. When Jesus came, he came, and, and, and I know y'all gonna probably try to crucify me. Israel was God's chosen people and Israel turned away from Christ. They turned away from God. 
the prophets, John, they were sent to warn the children of Israel that they need to repent. Was John talking to the Gentiles at that time? No, he was talking to the Jews, the people of Israel. Because God's plan was to use Israel as a nation to spread the gospel that everybody of the world will give their life to God. But understand something. Israel failed when they put God up on that cross. Israel rejected Christ. The, the chief cornerstone, the cornerstone that was rejected will be the chief cornerstone. Israel rejected Christ when they put him on that cross. Straight up. Even Pontius Pilate said, I ain't finna crucify this man. See to it yourself. His blood is not on my hands. And somebody said, may his blood be on us and our children. Israel rejected the Messiah that came. They, they wanted somebody to come deliver them from Caesar. They wanted somebody to come get Rome up off their back. But what they didn't understand, what the prophets was, for, was foretelling was Jesus was coming to save us from eternal damnation. Why do you think that when Jesus rose, the ones that did listen, the disciples that did listen, God established his church. Eventually, you saw later on in Acts that the Holy Spirit also started to fall on Gentiles. What do you think Galatia is? The church of Galatia is a Gentile church. The church of Corinth is a Gentile church. The church of Thessalonica is a, is a, Thessalonica is a Gentile church. Every letter that was written that Paul written was a Gentile church. So guess what? Spreading the gospel is not yelling at somebody no more. Spreading the gospel is not yelling at somebody no more. Spreading the gospel is being, trying to be holy and perfect as he is holy and perfect. Being righteous does not mean you're going to be without mistakes. We all going to miss the mark. But it's admitting, dang, you know what? That was right. I shouldn't have did that. Lord, forgive me. I repent. You, you turn away from that saying and you keep moving. And you keep moving. Straight like that. That is the purpose. Paul even said it. Being a Jew. Being circumcised don't mean that you're going to get into heaven. Because at that point in the transition. And, 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 and let's be honest. Church may be a place where people confess and give their life to Christ and ask God to receive his spirit. But how did they get to that church? Nobody just woke up one day 
and said, dang, nabbit. Well, maybe they did. Let me not speak prematurely. But 99% of people don't just wake up and be like, rats. I need to give my life to Christ today. Because I've been out here doing everything in the world. And now I just want to give my life to Christ. That could be the case for some people. But how would they have known that? How would they have known that Christ is the way? Unless Jesus came down and revealed himself to that person, 10 times out of 10, that person probably came across another believer and asked that believer. Because see, our lives, see, now I'm finna deliver. Now I'm finna deliver. Because he could have asked that person. Because see, what we want to do, we believe as believers that we should not have any adversity in our life. And that is another object of our aggression. Oh, you thought I wasn't bringing it back around, but I always do. You think that you're not supposed to have adversity in your life. You think that you're not supposed to have trials and tribulations. Like I told one of my good brothers today, I said, it is so beautiful to be hurt. Man, y'all don't understand the beauty in being hurt. Do you really understand the holiness in being hurt? Does it hurt? Yes. But it is beauty in being hurt. It is holiness in being hurt. Because in your hurt, you now have an opportunity to reflect characteristics of Christ that you might not would have had if you wasn't hurt. See, it's a difference between a Christian getting hurt and a regular person getting hurt. Because see, as believers, people already believe that, oh, you believe in God. You, you, you supposed to be, you supposed to be everything, right? But see, we sit up here confessing Christ as our Lord and Savior, but we don't walk like we live a life of freedom. We don't, we don't, we don't walk like we truly are children of the one and only God. Hurt is really hurt. So I don't, the question is hurt by sin or hurt by a person? It's beauty in being hurt in general. Because no matter who hurts you, you have, you have the opportunity to reflect God's character. You do. You have the ability to reflect God's character. That somebody that don't believe or do believe can see, dang. Because if you go through the gospel... All you see is Jesus being hurt. Jesus being hurt. Jesus being hurt. And sometimes we believe that we are above being hurt. We believe that we are above God using us. And we get so angry and we have so much aggression. 
Because it's at the point in our life where we become believers in Christ and we believe that we believe that becoming a believer in Christ means okay, now that I believe in you, God, now I need you to do everything I want I want to do. Because I understood I couldn't do it on my own, God, but now I know I need you. So now, God, since I got you, use your almighty power to make my A cups go to a B cup so I can flex on the ground. I just made that up. I ain't saying y'all pray for stuff like that. I hope not, because that's ridiculous. Lord, now I need you to use your power to help me pass this test in school I didn't study for. Lord, now I need you to help me get approved for this, for this, for this house and this car, knowing darn well I got a 300 credit score. Huh? What? What was it? You, you, you prayed and asked God for what? Or how about God establish the work of my hands? Yeah, establish thou it, the work of my hands. And that everything I touch, others are blessed by it. Lord, because of my old spending habits, my credit score and my savings account is not where I needed to be at. Lord, having bad credit, having no money, it doesn't reflect a life of a disciplined believer in Christ. Or Lord, what if your plans isn't for me to do this or do that? Your purpose is to spread the gospel. In how you walk out your life every single day. Some of you are given opportunities to say, thank you, Jesus. And you don't because I don't want to offend nobody. You could be getting out of cab, getting out of Uber, getting out somewhere, leaving the gas station. And somebody say, have a great day. And God put it on your heart to say, Jesus loves you. And you don't. Because you're like, ooh, I don't want to offend nobody. Well, I'm sorry. That's part of our commission. Is that Speaking Jesus is going to offend. But what does the Bible say? Hold on. They don't hate you. They hate me. The world hated me first. And they're going to hate you because of me. The object of your aggression is that you're still trying to hold on and take control of your life in God's will. It don't work like that. That come with people. That come with 
desires, you are going to have to give it up. You have to give it up. But sometimes giving it up does not mean letting it go. No, God promised you something. Yes, the Lord promised you something. But giving it up means I'm giving up how it's going to happen. But what you are doing are you is letting it go. And now you have aggression towards everybody because you feel like, Lord, everybody's stuff is coming to fruition. But what about what you told me? My goal every day is to be the best person I know how to be in Christ Jesus. Because I'm still reading the word, because I'm still learning things, because I'm still growing in my relationship with God. Growing in your relationship, you just have to spend time with God. I'm not going to put no time limit on that. If you decide you want to sit in your quiet time for an hour or two, by all means, do it. If you decide to sit in your quiet time with the Lord for 30 minutes, do it. Because the person that spent two hours in crop time with God might don't got four or five kids running around the house. Or two or three jobs. Or eight essays do. But you don't think God says, you know what, she has a lot on her plate, but she took out, or he took out 30 minutes and he sat down. You don't think God says, that boy been waiting on that video game to download all night. But before he hopped on his PlayStation this morning, he spent time with me. You don't think that God honors you for the time that you spend. But what I challenge you to do is change your heart posture when you when you are entering a holy place with God. I would say don't go into your presence with God expecting anything but him. And I know that's like, Chris, what do you mean by that? I will be needing something in my life and I will be needing an answer from God. And sometimes I will go into the presence of God and I will read and I will just look for God to answer what I got a problem with. And God will address a whole nother concern. I can go into the presence of God and be like, man, yeah, Lord, I don't know what I need to do. Should I get this car? Should I get this apartment? Should I take this job? Lord, I know I'm going to open up this word and my hand going to fall on the page and I'm going to just get the word and it's going to say, choose the job. And the whole time I'm in the presence of God, God might say, you've been using a lot of profanity lately, Chris. You've been using a lot of profanity lately. And you sitting up there like, hold on, wait a minute. I don't want, I know I've been cussing God. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop cussing. I just need you to tell me what job I need to pick. You know what else, Chris? I know this. You ain't been keeping your house as clean as you usually do. Lord, what does that have to do with, with it? Because sometimes we go into the presence of God because we want him 
to answer what we want him to answer. Because for some reason, you believe because the spirit of God lives inside of you that you control him. No, 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 no. You're supposed to let the spirit of God control you. Not the other way around. Not the other way around. One of my biggest aggressions I had with God is because you try to do the same thing you did last season. Like, let's say you had a season of your life where you just produced good results and whatever you was trying to accomplish, whatever you did, you try to produce good results. But life happened to you and you fell off. And now in this season, you're trying to get those same results or better back. But now you try to replicate what you did in that season the first time to do it again in this season. That's not going to happen. Let me break it down in simple terms. I lost weight in 2019. 2020 came, I gained my weight back. 2023, I'm trying to lose my weight again. 2019, I'm trying to replicate what I did in 2019 to get the results I got in 2019. But I'm in 2023. This is a different season of my life. I can't do the same thing I did in 2019. I can't cook three times a day like I did in 2019. I can't go to the gym after work in 2019. I got to go to the gym before work in, 20, in 2023. If, I, if, if it was that simple... By replicating what you did the last time, this time, then that would be your God. If it was that easy to just replicate what I did the last time and do it this time, then that then what you did would be your God. But see, when I let go of the how and I said, God, I just need to lose weight. When I was trying to sign up for the gyms and oh, let me tell you, when I was just like, it's this one gym in my, in my state I really love going to. And I was like trying to sign up for the gym and doing all the stuff. And I was like, man, they want you to pay 70, 80 a month. Tell me why when I surrender to God, I end up getting another job. They give discounts on that same gym. The same gym I was trying to pay $80 for and I didn't have the money when I got this new job. I got a discount on that gym and I only pay 30. And I went four times last week. If you just keep asking God to show you and to do it for you, it's just that. Let God just do it for you. You just need to be in position. I work at my job and I sell and I sell and I sell. And I say, Lord, you put it on my heart to be a desire. You put it on my heart to have the desire to be the number one salesman. But I'm not going to work every day trying to figure out how to be the number one salesman. My job is just to go to work. My job is just to go to work. My job is not to just sit up there and, and just try to, you know, finesse. No. I just go to work. And guess what? The customers I end up helping, they buy, buy, buy. Because it's not me that's doing it. It's God. I just got to be in position. That's it. So why, why is my aggression so high? Because you want to be the one to do it. Because you want to say, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. And you have to understand, when you have a surrendered and submitted life to God, you have no bootstraps. 
God delivers you with the righteousness of his strong right hand. That's it. That's all. When I come into the presence of God, and I'm not saying when you enter in God's presence, you can't talk about what's in your heart. But you know what I do? I come into the presence of God, and when I start my prayer, I pray, I honor him as holy, and I just let it all out. And I start telling God everything I'm mad about, everything I'm frustrated about. And you know what happens? Because when you release, now you have to replace. Now that you done let it out, you have to replace it. It's like when a person goes get drunk, you know what I'm saying? And they throwing up in the toilet. What's the first thing you do? You get some ice water or something. You trying to re refill the, the fluids that you left out. So guess what I'm doing? When I release all that stuff to God, I receive his peace. And then I jump into that word. And whatever God decides to say, he say. Because the one thing I noticed about God is whatever you mad about might not be what you're really mad about. Because yes, I could tell God right now, right now, Lord, I'm just upset that I'm looking for a job and I can't find a job or I can't, I can't, I can't seem to keep the job that I like. And then you go into the presence of God. And let's say you go into it with an open heart. And God might convict you about cleaning your house. Right now, when the last time you took your car to the car wash? And for those people with smart mouths that say, well, I took my car to the last week. When the last time you took your car to the car wash before the last time? Some of us are riding around with old McDonald's receipts. When this receipt still up under the seat, you probably got an old fry. You ain't dusted your mats out or nothing. When last time you cleaned your car? And you can go into the presence of God right now. And God might say, when last time you cleaned your car? When last time you cleaned your house? And then you got an open heart with the Lord. You'll say, you know what, Lord? I ain't clean my house. And then you start cleaning your house and you go on and get your car clean and you do that consecutively for a couple days, a couple weeks. And then God might drop some on your heart. If you don't have the discipline to keep yourself together, how are you going to have the discipline to keep another job together? This whole time you thought God was coming for your car. But God was coming for you. You say, Lord, why I can't keep a job? He's showing you right here. You don't keep your own house clean. You don't keep your own car clean. He's showing you that you lack discipline. Bro, what do y'all think the purpose of a parable is? What do you think a purpose of a parable is? When me and my wife went in the Bible study, we had the same conversation. Think about the parable about the farmer. This seed fell here, this seed fell here, this will have blah, 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 blah. To the point, I'm pretty sure to a farmer, if God said, yeah, one seed fell on the ground, a bird came and got it, 
Another seed fell on rocky ground and it sprouted up and because it didn't have no depth, it was it deteriorated. One fell amongst the thorns and it went up and it, and it choked the and it choked the seed out, the plant out, and then one fell on good ground, right? To a farmer or somebody that gardens, they'll be like, bravo, bravo, that's right, because you gotta plant the seed in good ground for the tree to grow. He's smart. But when you ask God to open up your spiritual eyes and reveal to you what's the message behind what I said. See, some of us hear God say, you need to clean your house. And you think that's God just calling you nasty. Could be. But when you ask God, what do you mean by clean my house? God can say it's some stuff in your temple that's not pure. It's some stuff in your temple that's not pure. Because if you go back to the word, the word says that if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside of the cup will be clean as well. And you probably need to go clean the refrigerator. Okay? Because when you, when you, when, when, the, when the Bible says it says, your eye is the lamp of the body. This is Luke 11, verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines, it's light on you. I love you too, bro. So let me let me let me be honest from a male's perspective. It's so much lust out here in the world. It's so much lust out here. Oh my God. Every time I get on somewhere, it's a pair of boobs in my face. You know, I'm in the gym now, so I'm going to just be real. TikTok is a good tool to look up workouts because it's actually people that break down the workouts in your search bar. But, man, you go look up a workout video, and, and it's, it's Big Booty Judy and her tight spandex. I'm just saying, lust is everywhere. I can't even get on my Instagram page without seeing some titties in my face. And I don't even follow the titties. I'm like, how did these titties get on here? Just it's sponsored by sponsored by who? How did you get on my page? I'd be scared to open up folks' stores because it just be <clears throat> all in your face. And I'm just like, how did they do what the world? And sometimes, like, what was that the little girlfriend challenge y'all was just doing on TikTok? I had to get off TikTok for about three days. I think that, I'm just, I think that, I think, I'm just like. So what I'm saying is. I went to God complaining. I said, Lord, how can I fight this lust? 
how can I fight this lust, Lord, that's everywhere? This was something I asked God four, five days ago. And when I decided to pick up my Bible today, this scripture hit me dead in my face. It's what you letting in your body. It's, let, it's what you letting in through your eyes. Nobody's making me watch this. I don't have to watch this next video to go to the next video. But that's where self-control and discipline come in. At. Where you have to know yourself and say, you know what? And then when you fall into lust and fall into sin, and now your hand and your lap sticky because you fell into it. Let me tell you something. I learned this in therapy. Everybody has two wolves inside of them. And I want y'all to really hear me out. Everybody has two wolves inside of them. One wolf is evil. I'm going to just put it like this. One wolf is good. The evil wolf wants to lust, fornicate. It wants to sin. It wants to be uh, evil as much as it can be. The good wolf wants to be holy. It wants to be righteous. It wants to be loving. It wants to be kind. And the little boy asked his grandfather one day and said, well, which wolf wins? And the grandfather simply replied and said, the one that you feed. That is just a short example of what God said in the Bible about those who walk in the flesh fulfill the things of the flesh. Those who walk in the spirit fulfill the things of the spirit. The only one that's going to win is the one that you feed. Straight like that. If you keep feeding the evil wolf, the evil wolf is going to win. If you keep feeding the righteous wolf, the righteous wolf is going to win. Reading your word is feeding your spirit. Reading your word is strengthening your spirit. It's equipping you. It's not letting thoughts manifest and harass you. I want us to understand that you're feeding your aggression. What's feeding my aggression, Chris? Because one thing Chris hates is somebody telling me something but not telling me what it is. You're feeding your aggression by wanting what you want. Instead of trusting God for what you need. God may have gave you a vision that you was going to be the one in your family that was going to break generational curses. He might have told you that you're going to be the one that's going to be the one that's going to set your family up financially for generations to come. And then he'll turn around and tell you to quit your good job and go be a greeter at Walmart. I, I knew it. I knew it. God, that wasn't God that told me I was going to be the one to make millions for my family and set my kids up. And woo -woo -woo. I knew I knew God wasn't going Because why would God, why would I end up at Walmart? I had a corporate job. I was making 80, 90,000 a year. I could have made $100,000 a year. And guess what? That job would have capped you out at 100000 and you would have not gotten no more money. But see, if you would have took the job at Walmart as a greeter, 
It might not be have Walmart that would have paid you, but somebody would have came into Walmart and you could have had a small conversation with somebody and that conversation could have led to a job opportunity that then catapulted you into what God had promised you. But what we do is we don't trust God enough to say, Lord, maybe I should just follow this. It's not going to make sense. When I got the job at Verizon, I had a job for AT&T and Verizon. AT&T was going to pay me way more than I was making at the post office. Like I said, I was at the post office and my wife didn't even have to work. I was making so much money at the post office. Well, I ain't so much money, but I was making good enough money when she could stay home. And AT&T was going to pay me more than that. But God said, no, I want you to take the job at Verizon. The job at Verizon was a $15,000 pay cut lower than what I was making at my last job. But the opportunities that I have, and it's not saying that Verizon is my end-all, be-all. Do you not know that how many people I've met at this job? That people handed me business cards. I met a guy that owns like six, seven car dealerships in North Carolina. He owns the Fords, the Hondas. He owns a uh, uh, Toyota. He, he, you know how like you can go to a dealership and a dealership might say Bobby Brown's Ford and then it might be a Bobby's Brown's Honda and a Bobby's Brown Kia. Bobby Brown's own all those dealerships. Yeah, the guy, it was a guy like that came my job. He owned all those dealerships. And I was sitting there helping him set up his phone. Something that technically I'm not even supposed to do. Meaning not supposed to do like it's not part of my job description. But he ordered a new phone uh, through his insurance. And I helped him transfer his stuff over. Do you not know that man handed me a car and said, whenever you're in the market for a car, give me a call. This wasn't a car salesman. This was the person that owns the car dealership and the salesman. He said, when you're looking for a car, you give me a call. Would you not believe that me and my wife are both looking for cars? Not like we need one right now, but we know the time is coming where we're going to need new cars. Huh, huh, huh. And I and I wouldn't have met that man if I didn't do what God told me to do. Right? I wouldn't have met that man at AT&T. So trusting God doesn't look like he's getting you there. But he is. I'm going to give you another one. Just because I love throwing them out there. Me and my wife has been big on trying to find like farmers and people that we can just like get natural products for. Do you know that not only did one of my coworkers have a farm where he has all natural eggs. Well, he, he texted me today and said, Chris, your eggs is in the refrigerator at work when you get there. Natural eggs. Straight from the chicken's straight from the chickens and i met another guy at work he said yeah we raise chickens they 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 not lab grown they not the retarded cow meat he said we raise chickens he said when we get back in season just come on down he gave me his phone number his car he said yeah come on down and you and your wife and you can get your chicken from us whole chicken we'll kill him and everything just bag him up i didn't I was praying for people like this, but I didn't have to go look for them. Bro, they came to me.
all I did was go to work. Because you think the blessing is going to come from a paycheck. God asked three prayers at one job. Take the word how out your vocabulary. Take the word how out your vocabulary. It don't have to look right to nobody. It don't have to sound right to nobody. Stop worrying about how. You are doing nothing but agitating yourself. Just say, Lord, I am willing and I'm available. And you know, I'm going to tell you something else. This, this, this really was going to stir the pot. This going to stir the pot. I'm going to tell you what really was on my heart like the last four or five days. And it was the subject of tithing. And I was just so upset and had so much aggression when it came to tithing. Because I'm going to just give you the backstory. I'm going to give you the backstory. And I don't go nowhere. Please just give me a few more minutes of y'all time. Please just. Give me a few more minutes. If you don't get nothing else, just get this. So a lot of y'all saw my testimony that when I left my job and God told me to go into sales, the first thing I did was I ran to the car sales. I ran to car sales and I hated it. And at that time, um, I hated it so much. Uh, Keith Lee saw my testimony and he sent me like $500. Right? And then... When he did that, so many more people start pouring into me. It's like my cash app was going off for like a week straight. $20, $30, five $2, $10, $100, $150. I, I almost cried every day. And see, when the Lord started pouring into me that I was able to pay my bills and everything, man. And when I did that, when I did that, I tithed. Shoot. I was even giving money away. I had a brother that was going through something. I sent him $100. Remember that. This is going to be a vital part of the story. I sent him $100. Because I was like, oh, that way you blessing me like this. I think all together, out of all the money from what Keith Lee gave and what everybody gave to me, I think I probably at least received like $2,000. At least two to $3,000 maybe in a week or two two-week span. Right? And I was able to pay all me and my wife bills. So when, when God blessed me like that, I just knew that maybe I was in the right place when it came to car sales. Because I was still like, yep, God told me that I was going to be able to, to build and, and pour back and I can make so much money in car sales. But I hated it. It was such a, a, a dishonest business. And I'm like, wait a minute, Lord, I know you told me to go into sales, but man, I hate this. It's so dishonest. You add an extra $900 to a car, telling folk it's nitrogen in the tires? Who you think you talking to? What? And I was like, man, I can't keep switching jobs, but I got a family. And then I, then I had a conversation with my barber. And my barber was like, no, nah, man, I definitely think you'll be great in sales. But he said, I think you're on the right street. You're just in the wrong house. 
He said, that's not the business that you 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 want to be in. He said, it's other businesses that have sales. And at that moment, I thought about it. I said, dang. Because when God said sales, the first thing I did was I didn't seek confirmation. I just ran to the first thing that I knew that sold. Car sales. Because I tried to do it once before. And I didn't get the job in 2017. I made it all the way to the last interview, but I didn't get the job. That should have been the sign right there that if God closed that door back then, what make you think he's going to open that door right now? But God allowed me to go through that because he wanted me to see something. So long story short, I left the, the job and I found another job. And, um, and I got the job and I told you I chose Verizon of AT&T. Right? But so I say all that to say that me and baby playing catch up. But God is so good because ain't nothing got cut off. We ain't went without. We ain't got evicted. We ain't got put out. We might have been late. Oh, we was definitely late. I'm talking about rent due between the first and the fourth. I'm talking about them folk gave us all the way to the 25th. Nope. 25th. Without filing any evictions. 25th. My, 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 my cable was behind. And I'm like, Lord, you told me to leave this good job and, and all my bills. My cable was behind. Let me tell you about that. My cable was behind. I called them to make an arrangement. They said, oh, yeah, you qualify to actually get a discount. Some, something called AHC or ACH or, or something like that. Not only does it take $30 off my bill every month, they can't cut my stuff off as long as I'm a part of their program. Lights ain't got cut off. Food ain't never been out of the refrigerator. And I said, dang, why am I so upset? Because, because I'm not, because I like to pay my bills on time and I like to be caught up, but ain't nothing been taken from me. Ain't nothing been taken from me. My car no got behind. Guess what I did? I called my peoples because I went through my bank. This why I was a good, have a good relationships. But it don't even matter a relationship because God give grace. I, I called I call my, my car no people because I got my, my car no through uh, 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 Navy Federal. Get what they said. Oh, yeah, you good. So what we'll do is we just going to take this car note payment and we just going to move it to the end of your lease. And you don't have to pay your car note till September. This was in July. This was in July. They said, oh, you ain't got to pay your car note till September. It's all good. You're not late. Nothing like that. We got you. So I'm saying all that to say that these last couple of months, stress has been high. Right? And why did the subject of tithing come up? And, and this is why the subject of tithing came up. And this ain't got nothing to do with my church. This ain't got nothing to do with churches in general. But I noticed something. Because I have a giving heart. I gave money to people when I didn't have it. I gave money to people that I didn't even know them like that. I just heard their story and I gave them money. But I'm saying that to say is that every dollar that I got when I was down bad did not come from church. It didn't come from my pastor. It didn't come from nobody in the church. It, my mama was going through it at the time, but even she was helping me. Nobody in the church was able to give me a dime. 
I sit up there and I tell my testimony. So do everybody. And not one time did the church say, we'll pay it. Let me say this. My aggression kicked in. And I said, God, how in the world am I supposed to give 10% of my hard-earned money to a church that I can't even get $60 out of to pay a phone bill if I needed it? That was another thing that was behind, that phone. But it ain't been cut off yet. I said, Lord, I have given every time you put it on my heart to give. I said, but why am I so mad? Because I personally feel like if I'm giving 10% of my money to the church I respond to, then it should be no question when I need help. Because I'm probably giving more than you giving me back. But I said, Lord, I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to say nothing crazy. I said, Lord, what is biblical tithing? I said, Lord, what is tithing? Because I done been through so much these last, this summer, these last two, three months. I said, Lord, I got to give back. But the Lord told me straight up. He said, who says, and hear me, because the Bible does talk about how people gave a tenth. But understand something. If giving a tenth of your money will cause you not to be able to pay something, that's not good stewardship. I'm going to let that marinate. I'm not saying throw $5 in there. The Bible talks about how a lady only had a penny and her penny was more than what anybody else gave. When you give from the heart, God honors that. But if you say, I got to give 10% of my check, but you giving 10% of your check causes you to be late on something or for something to get cut off. How is that good stewardship? It's not. But if you say, Lord, put me in a position that I can give 10% of what I make and nothing be affected, that's a different conversation. But I learned what tithing is. It's true, but God spoke to the Pharisees and he told the Pharisees, he said, woe to you Pharisees. Um, 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 you give a tenth of mint rule in every kind of herd and you bypass justice and love for God. Meaning that you can tithe 10, 15, 20% all day. But if you're not showing justice, mercy, love, and faithfulness, then you miss the whole entire message of the law. 
You might can't give two, three hundred dollars at your check right now. But if you say, God, I know I can give 50 bucks and pay my bills. I know I can give 60 bucks and pay my bills still. And still and, and take care of my business. But what's the point of doing that? If you're not going to show justice, faith, mercy, and the love of God. Meaning you can sit up here and try to live your life to this religious standard. And try to please God by your works. But the whole time he is judging your heart. The whole entire time. So what did I get from that tithing message? Is that. Be wise. If my check was a thousand dollars. Just for an example. If my check a thousand dollars. And my rent five hundred. Then I. And my rent nine hundred. I mean my, my rent. If my check a thousand dollars. And, and, and my rent $1,000, I can't tithe 10%. Maybe I can't tithe out this check at all. Maybe, maybe what I would have gave out my first check, I have to give out that last check because I don't have as many bills coming out that check. Or maybe tithing is when God puts something on your heart to do for somebody else, you do it. Because one thing God knows about his son, Chris, is that if he ever put it on my heart to give somebody something, I'm going to do it. Is that where your heart is? Are you so in tune with God that God can say, that $5 you found in your wallet, I want you to give it to somebody else. Because let me tell you something. We'll find money. I ain't like, oh, snap. I didn't even know I had uh, 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 $5 in my pocket. I'm going to get me some out the cash today. They could be my vending machine money. You've been looking at that jumbo honey bun and that Sprite for two weeks now. But you, you never got no cash on you. And the car reader don't never work. So you don't found this $5. You're like, yes, I ain't had no lunch anyway. I'm finna go get me something. I got some points on my Chick-fil-A app. I, I, this is enough to get me a number one combo. And then God will say, give that $5 to somebody else. You might be sitting at your desk. Lunch can be right around the corner. And your coworker can say, Jasmine, I don't really ask nobody for number. Girl, I just need $5. You got $5. Is your heart posture so in tune with giving and mercy and faithfulness that you say, you know what? Here you go, baby. You can have it. Let me, let me tell y'all why that message was so important to what I'm about to say. Earlier, y'all heard me speak when I said that I cried in the presence of God. And I cried and I told God that I was so mad that I had to treat people ways I never got treated before. 
And then I was wondering why tithing was such a message on my heart. And when God gave me the message about tithing and about giving. And sometimes I still question, like, man, you know, I, I don't question, but I still be like, man, Lord, you know, I had to. Man, Jesus, I, I never got treated this way and I had to treat other people this way. I feel like I'm treating people better than I ever got treated myself. Yeah, done the conversations I had with the Lord. And you know, God, God does stuff in in crazy ways. And you start to question God and be like, man, this ain't fair. We love saying to God, this ain't fair. Now, God showed me something about myself in that time I spent crying on my bed. Yeah, that bed right there, cry like a baby. And I want to say it verbatim of what he told me. Help me, Holy Spirit. And I want to say it verbatim. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. I'm sorry, y'all. This kind of made me emotional sometimes. I kept saying, God is not fair. God is not fair. Kept saying, Lord, I am treating people a way I ain't never been treated before. And I started to break down and my eyes started to wide. I'm talking about it was an ugly cry, y'all. I was punching and squeezing pillows on the bed. I'm talking about I was swinging in the air like Melvin was when he had to knock Jody out. And I said, Lord, Every time, and, and this is why I brought up tithing. I said, Lord, every time somebody else needed something, it's like you blessed my hands. I had it. When my wife needs something, all of a sudden money just come out of nowhere. When my mom or my family needs something, all of a sudden money just appear out of thin air. But I said, Lord, when I want to do something for myself, money just seems to disappear. But let somebody ask me for something. It's like you bless my hands and I have it. And I said, Lord, that's what frustrates me. Because now I feel like I have to treat people. And I treat people better than I ever was treated. And he said to me, he said, Chris, I am not your father. I am not your earthly father. You are still upset about the abandonment you had as a child. Waiting in the window for your dad to fulfill his promises. Waiting in the window for your dad to show up like he said he was going to show up. And you think that I'm him. And he said, the reason I don't allow you to take care of yourself is because I want to take care of you. You don't want to believe in me. You don't want to be disappointed by me. And because you don't want to be disappointed, you try to do everything for yourself. So I bless your hands when it comes to other people. 
But when it comes to you, I'm your inheritance. He told me you won't get nothing unless it's coming from my hands. He said, because Chris, you've been through too much. He said, that is the only way you're going to stay dependent on me. He said, not only have you been through too much. He said, you have been disappointed too much. And until you understand the difference between me and your father on earth and your friends on earth and your people on earth, I don't disappoint. He said, you ain't going to, you can't catch me off guard. He said, I'm your inheritance. And then when I opened my word and I started, because I'm reading the gospel again, I read the chapter and the next section was as seek knock. Asking God, seeking it out and knocking. Right now, my wife wants the iPhone 15. And shoot, I want a new phone too. But what's so crazy, God said that you're going to buy her the phone she want. And I'm going to buy you the phone you want. I'm like, God, what? He said, no, you are going to be dependent on me. Because what God has for my life, I will get destroyed if I go out there trying to accomplish God's purpose, purpose for my life, will for my life, thinking that I'm the only one. Thinking that I'm I'm the only one that can do it. But when you truly have a heart that's obedient and submissive and dependent on God, how can I lose? Stop looking at what you're doing for other people as God has favorites. Look at it like this. God wants to be your source. And don't think you're a source because you're helping people. You're only a resource. But God said that I'm going to take care of you. And then when I was reading the section about ask, seek, knock, I said, Lord, I don't get it. You say ask, you say seek, you say knock. But sometimes I ask and it don't happen. Sometimes I seek and I don't find it. Sometimes I knock and the door don't be open. And as I was talking to God, I said, Holy Spirit, you have to make this plain to me. And you know what he said? He said, what's the one thing I told you in my word? Not, not in my spirit. What's the one thing I said in my word that I needed you to be? And he said, I need you to be like a child. He never called me an adult, not in his word, not in my spirit. He always said, you are my child. And I said, Lord, well, what does that mean? And he brought back to my memory when I was picking up my nieces and nephews from Atlanta and I was driving them back to North Carolina. And my youngest niece, <laughs> She's just so bold. <laughs> In my heart, I knew it was a four or five hour drive, a five hour drive. I, I did it all the time when I was dating my wife. But I got kids in the car. I was going to probably stop at McDonald's somewhere in South Carolina on the way up here, whatever. 
But before I could even get to McDonald's, my youngest niece, she like four years old. She's so sassy. She said, Uncle Chris, can we stop at McDonald's? Can we stop at McDonald's? And I wanted to surprise them, so I was just kind of like, even though McDonald's should probably never be a surprise. But, because that food is terrible nowadays. But I said, I oh, don't know. I'm going to stop. But I said something to her. I said, you don't think I know what you need? And the moment I said it to my niece, I said, I said, dang, that's probably what God be saying to me. So fast forward, she kept asking me. She said, Uncle Chris, can we go to McDonald's? 30, 45 minutes go by. Uncle Chris, can we go to McDonald's? And she kept asking me until I pulled up to them golden arches. And she was so ecstatic when I stopped at McDonald's, y'all. Forgive me, I'm always getting emotional. And I know y'all like, Chris, what's the point of that story? Because when you ask God, the reason why you keep asking is not because you don't, not because you're begging. You ask him because you know he's the only one that can do it. My niece kept asking me to stop at McDonald's. Not that she was begging me, but she knew I was the only one that could do it. She didn't ask my wife in the front seat. She kept asking me because she knew who was driving the car. When you know who's driving the car, when you know who can do it, it's not begging. You just asking the only person you know that can do it. When you in your situation, who are you asking? The person in the passenger seat? Are you asking the person that's in the back seat with you? Or are you asking the person that's driving the car? When you have a childlike heart, you keep asking God because you know he's the only one that can do it. What's the purpose of seeking? Why do I have to keep seeking after I ask? He put me back in the mindset of a child again. When you seeking God, the purpose of seeking God, if your child was looking for you, I'm going to give an example. When I woke up in the morning as a child, when I woke up every morning as a child, 
and I wanted my mom, I never went to her bedroom first. I never went to my mom's bedroom. Her bedroom's right across from mine. It's early in the morning. When I woke up in the morning, I never went to my mom's bedroom to look for her. I went downstairs. Why did I go downstairs? Because I knew where my mom would be. When you seeking God, when you have a relationship with God, when you praying and asking for something, seeking is looking for God in what you ask for. If you asking God for a job, and you want to know what job to get, what apartment to get, where to move. Where do you see God in what you asking for? It's easy to say that my purpose is in the church. But let me tell you, some of these churches, God ain't even there. Take that how you want to. But when God gives you desires and he gives you, gives you things and promises, God wasn't in the car dealership. But God was over here at this job. And when I realized God wasn't in the car dealership, I kept looking and I kept knocking. And the door that was open for me was the place God was at. There is no need to let anything be the object of your aggression anymore after tonight. And for y'all who may have missed this, you know it's on YouTube. Why do you have aggression when you know who's driving your car? When you know where he is taking you? Or if you don't know where he's taking you, trust the person who is driving the car. Remove how from your vocabulary. When it comes to what God has told you to do, remove the how. He is going to do it for you. My YouTube, I think it's in my bio on TikTok. It is in my bio on TikTok. Um, I think it's Slaughter CTV. I want y'all to watch this as many times as y'all need to. The object of your aggression is trying to figure out how. The Bible says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. If you don't have peace, it's because you still trying to figure out how. If you worried and anxious, it's because you still trying to figure out how. If you take that out, you will have more peace. 
and you'll have more prosperity because it's God is the one that's prospering you. I love y'all, man. Father God, everybody that has listened to this message or has to go back and rewatch certain parts of this message, Lord, I just thank you right now, Father God. I just bless their hearts, cover their minds, their hearts, and their family. Um, keep everyone near you, Father God. For those who may have strayed away, Father God, Lord, remind them that coming back, they don't have to make a sacrifice because you was the sacrifice. They don't have to go take a shower, Lord, Father God, because you cleansed us from the inside. But Father God, tell them and show them that a relationship with you just start with a simple conversation. It just starts with saying, I'm going to spend time with you today. It just starts with picking a chapter and reading it and coming into your presence with honor and showing you honor and holiness, Lord, and showing you holiness, showing you and honoring you as holy, Father God, and having an open heart to just say, Lord, this is what's going on. I let it out. I receive your peace. And now, Lord, whatever you want to reveal to me, you reveal to me. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love y'all so much. I'm going to try to get this video up tonight or early tomorrow. Spread the word. Pass it on to somebody that need it. And remember, get the how out your vocabulary. I love every last one of y'all, man. See y'all next time. Y'all have a great night.